0: The Academy of Esports podcast is brought to you by League Spot. League Spot, your brand, your league, your way. Welcome to the Academy of Esports with James O'Hagan. He's on fire, boom chocolate locker.
1: Welcome to the Academy of Esports podcast. I am your host James O'Hagan. The Academy of Esports is powered by LeagueSpot. LeagueSpot, your brand, your league, your way. And this week, I have the pleasure to bring in the head of education for the British Esports Association, Callum Neal. Callum, thank you for being a guest on the Academy of Esports podcast today.
2: Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on James. Uh, I, I must add as well, we have recently gone through a, a slight name change um, from British Esports Association to British Esports Federation, um, which is is not is not common knowledge everywhere as well. So good that it's mentioned so that, that people are aware moving forwards.
1: Well, uh, I'm glad that, uh, that we're bringing that uh, right out here in the beginning after all the takes that we had to do at the start of the podcast just for me to get the introduction right, but we will just muscle on. Uh, Callum, for those of you who don't know, again, head of the uh, Education for British Esports Federation. Uh, He focuses on delivering growth and development of esports in education across the UK and beyond. But Callum is also an award-winning educator, uh, receiving the prestigious Pearson National Teaching Award for his outstanding commitment to digital innovation. He is an experienced educator he is an experienced education leader who previously served as esports program lead at Barnsley College, where he co-wrote the esports BTECs. And let me make sure BTEC is uh, British Technical Education.
2: We 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 yeah we simply refer to them as BTECs. Um, the international BTECs as well that exist, and, and we've got the UK BTECs as well. So um, that that's how they're more commonly known across across the UK, definitely.
1: Well, I, and and again, this this is going to be, I think, a big core of our conversation today is going to be around these BTECs and the development of the Pearson standards. And I have to say, uh, I have been a fan of the standards. I've been a fan of of not just that, but um, and and sharing with my colleagues that I was going to be speaking with you today. They like the fact that it goes beyond coaching and it goes beyond playing, which I think a lot of, of people seem to focus on when they're developing their own uh, curriculums. Uh, but again, uh, more about you. I, I, I have to talk all about all the amazing things that you do as well, not just the writing of these standards, the co-writing of these standards, but also um, you served as the director of education and strategic esports groups, trainer and a podcast host at Pearson and governor at Barnsley College, and you were a NASA fellow for the 21-22 academic year. But despite saying all of that, Callum, we also like to get to know our people a little bit better. Uh, I have a few questions, get to know you questions that I'd like to start by uh, offering you at the start of the podcast. So first question that we like to ask is, what is a game, and it doesn't have to be a video game, that stands out as having been important to you at some point in your life? Why was that experience meaningful? Again, as on top of all these things, I forgot to mention Callum has also been a football coach, and we're not talking about the American style. And I am going to fairly call it football uh, since the World Cup just wrapped up. Callum, uh, what is that game?
2: Yeah, it'd have to be football for me. It'd have to be soccer, football. Um, it's, I think, sport and games. As I as I start to look at what I'm doing now in terms of my career and, and how how esports is is developing so so vastly in education I look at games and the principle of games and I think right back to early human time we play games where you know as humans we like to play and I think that's that's the basic principle and I started to rewind sort of and look back at my childhood and and the earliest the earliest memory that I have of playing a video game was was born from my love of playing sports and playing football and um you know I, i'm such a an avid fan of of football and and soccer uh, as i know it it's often referred to out in the states and and i can remember being five years old playing a sega mega drive um playing fifa ninety five i've still got my sega mega drive i've still got the control pad and the console here behind me um and i can remember that that memory and that moment of seen something that I was passionate about in in the real world as such and, and being able to play sport and, and consume sport and be a fan of sport and then being able to do that physically on a console at home in my bedroom as a five-year-old I have those memories of, of the game it was on a diagonal pitch you used to be able to run away from the referee when they were trying to book you for, for bad tackles <laughs> you know and just, just these amazing memories of of play and of, of exploring that world as a, as a five-year-old essentially so yeah I think that's that that when I reflect back, that was probably the moment where uh, this, this love and passion really started.
1: I appreciate that uh, football has such a good history when it comes to being translated over to um, digital sense, if you will, uh, into, into video games. Uh, I, I lament that rugby does not translate well over into that. Um yeah. Second question for you, and maybe it's totally eccentric or maybe it's quite traditional. What is your superpower? What is that thing that you do better than most people? Or what do you wish you could do?
2: Tough, tough one. I, superpower, I think, you know, I've, I've got a four-year-old who is obsessed with <laughs> Marvel and the Avengers. And I ask him the same question and his list is like 30 <laughs> superpowers long, you know. So um, I, I'm, I'm well-versed in that. But I think it, if I was to try and be realistic about my superpower if you like it it genuinely sounds like a bit of a cliche but I actually just love my job and I love my job and I think that's my superpower is that I'm passionate and I, I'm fortunate enough to to work in an area where where I simply love what I do and and I I, you know, I enjoy listening to podcasts and um one of the podcasts that I will listen to other than yours James of course as well um, I was listening to some episodes ag- again this morning um I like the high performance podcast and and the host um Jake Humphreys recently posted about um Ikigai, which is it's a a Japanese term, if you like, that is is about finding finding your ikigai and essentially what it means is your reason for being. And there are four key pillars. And this is only something that I came across recently and it really resonated with me almost like a superpower. And the four pillars that that you need to hit are do I love it? You know, is it something that I love? Does the world need it? Am I good at it? And can it pay me a wage? Can it pay me a salary? Is it something that I could do as a career? And 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 when you hit all four, that sense of purpose is just huge. And in reading this, I sort of went through it and I thought I've been really lucky enough and fortunate enough to find that and and the the sense of purpose and enjoyment that I have on a daily basis now in in the role that I'm doing. It's just phenomenal, and I can see the amazing impact that, that esports in education is, is having now in the U.K., but also on a global scale as well.
1: And I don't know, again, you say you have a four-year-old. I have, I have teenage children, and uh, maybe this, too, speaks a little bit to what, you're, what you just described. You said, you said the icky, did I hear that I say that? Icky guy, yes, Icky guy. Um, it, is, it is something that my kids, when I describe it to them, they go, you have the coolest job. You know, and, and I don't know if your son is able to to do that, but yeah, I feel blessed now that uh, that I have moved from not that I didn't enjoy being an educator. I loved being an educator full time.
2: Yeah,
1: um, yeah, but the fact that now I get to focus specifically in on working in education and gaming, it's like and we know it's needed and we get paid a wage to do it. It's like it, it's one of the best things. Uh, honestly when you think about it through the pillars that you just described
2: yeah definitely it's it's the the principle it's when i think about the work that i did at at bouncer college i worked there for 11 years you know working as a teacher as a course leader as a curriculum leader and constantly working with groups of students and that was the the one question that they would always ask me is you know how did you know what you wanted to do when you grew up and I, i was always like well i still don't know what i want to do when i grow up the the find that sense of purpose, you know, what's the thing that you enjoy doing the most, go and do that and and try and do that and and throw yourself into experiences where you're going to learn and you're going to develop and you're going to meet new people and you might be slightly out of your comfort zone but ultimately I think when students choose to study something and they get to that age where it becomes a choice, that's the advice that I always give them is try and choose that thing that you're going to enjoy because you enjoy the work, you enjoy the study, you enjoy the research, you're going to get better results, you know, you're going to enjoy the job. And then at the end of that, you might achieve a better grade, a better qualification. And ultimately, then you can go and progress into a role where somebody's able to employ you or you're able to set something up for yourself, where you can put those skills and that knowledge to the test. And then that that to me is always the dream that I'd try to sell to anybody around can you do something that you love and can you go and get paid for that? So yeah, it it totally resonates with me that it's, it's not superpower. To me, it feels like a superpower. I think if I had to have one of the superpowers that my son had described, it probably make life a lot easier if I could fly as well. That would be like, and I mean, like quickly, you know, (laughs) fly somewhere, (laughs) maybe transport that, that'd be, that'd be amazing.
1: (laughs) Okay. uh, And third question, name a song whenever it hits your speakers you're going to sing along to
2: wow again tough one i i I love music i've i've played the guitar since i was eight years old um a song not not my favorite song but um recently over the christmas break um song came on and my father-in-law sat up and went oh i love this song and he just started to sing and then I just started to sing. That song was um, Top Loader Dancing in the Moonlight. And we had a good old sing for that over the Christmas break. So really? if you haven't heard that, stick it on. It's a good old sing song. Yeah. I'll make sure came, it's- but What's yours? Uh, well, I
1: love, uh, I grew up in the Bay Area in the 90s, and so uh, San Francisco area, and hip hop has been my thing. And when I go do karaoke, and I love to do karaoke, I'll sing things like the the, the Black Crows version of "Hard to Handle." Um, but I also do a lot of rap, so I'll do uh, Young MC. Bust a move is the number. Like people who were at the NACAD conference last year got to see that. Who Who the folks who went out and saw it? So
2: I need but, to see this as well.
1: Yeah, karaoke, you get me out there, and I will. I will sing most anything. I I am not afraid to. Tr- and I'm not afraid to experiment. And I will be honest. Not every song that I ever karaoke ever turned out great. So. Yeah, I
2: know that feeling. I can feel uh, a duet coming
1: on here. <laughs> uh, what is one thing about your field, our field, the thing that we do that surprises people when they first hear about it?
2: I think it's the, I think it's it's the misconception around around the whole industry around games, and you know when I when I speak to friends when I speak to people that I've worked with in the past and ex-colleagues and you know they sort of say what 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 is esports and what do you do what do the students do do they just sit around playing games all day this is one of the things that parents think the first time that we it's, it's probably the the most common question that I get asked and it's probably the most common thing that I describe is is this just playing video games and I'm sure every esports educator is the same is that that's that's the sort of barrier and that's the thing but then the 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 thing that surprises people is when you then start to unravel exactly what this word esports means what that involves how that links to education the ecosystem the careers not just in esports but the other careers that either support esports or that as a result of being part of esports and education that you can then go on into and, and that just blows people's minds and, and they don't sort of really understand it. And I had a, I had a real recent experience of um I, I delivered a session at a at a at a conference and um there's a lady waiting off off the stage that came off and she said she said I just I just can I borrow you for a second? Yeah yeah of course you can and she said she said I'm that mum. She said I'm that parent. I've literally just had a conversation with my 16 year old daughter telling her that she's not going to college to study an esports education program because I thought it was just sitting on a settee a sofa playing games all day she said I've got family members who are unemployed who that's all they do and and it's and they've got a really sort of inactive toxic lifestyle so she associates video games with with that element when I was able to speak to her and break down exactly what this is she, she sort of said well, thank you for for breaking down those misconceptions i'm going to take my daughter to the college next week so she can go and and have a look around and I, and I, and it's those moments that i love being a part of when when you you see the light bulb in in the parents in the careers advisors in the senior leaders in the schools whatever it may be and then i think the other element to that is then when you actually see it live in person and I'm not talking about you know the grand scale that we see on TV and the, the millions and millions of dollars that we hear and the viewership. When, when those parents then see their sons, daughters in that environment, in a physical space with a stranger and they're sat in the comfort zone with a headset on in front of a screen and they start to communicate on a level that the parents haven't heard them communicate on this level in a while... And they're doing it with total strangers it it totally blows their mind and and i think that those it's those little moments that that are so rewarding and that you actually then start to see that that's the surprise that's the thing that really really surprises people i think
1: i've i've had a similar experience where it was the first year we did our uh, state association championships uh in fond du lac wisconsin and I remember we were at a gaming lounge, and every it, we were we had way too many kids in the place. I mean, it was just packed to the gills. And I remember somebody's grandmother standing next to me while her son, her grandson, was um, in the I think the semifinals of uh, Super Smash Brothers. And she's probably I'm six two, and she's probably about five feet tall. And I just remember her grabbing my arm at some point and like like pulling me down and just goes this is so exciting. And I said, yeah. I looked at her and went, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I, it's amazing. Again, I think that goes into some of the the inaccurate beliefs that people have about what it is that we do. Um, and and that kind of transitions to when the talk about the BTECs. And by the way, I totally flubbed the acronym. It's Business and Technical Education Council, right? That BTECs yeah. is, is the term used in in the UK. And uh, when, when talking about these, as you began the journey to co-write the VTEX around esports, um, and I've looked at the, 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 the curriculum map, and I've looked at the work that you have done, and I know it was it, it, people in the United States, educators, sometimes when they hear the word Pearson, they think, oh, there's Big Brother again. Uh, but Pearson is a worldwide respected brand. They, 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 when they, their business is education, their business excuse me, is curriculum. Um, As you started down the journey with your co-writers to put this all together, were there things that surprised you even as you were starting to, again, peel the layers back of, of what this all potentially meant? Because again, feedback from my own colleagues was, I love the fact that you're talking about this because this is not just about games and this isn't about coaching. This is about so much more than that.
2: Yeah, d- definitely, and and that that whole journey and and from the the early stages of the concept to developing the programs and and the ideas, meeting the students, you know, get getting that feedback from the people that were in our education system and understanding where there was a gap and what they needed, what the void was, you know, we've got globally, think the millions of people that are involved in games and that play video games. But the only really option that we had as students for progressing from high school into games as a career was to be a games developer. And not everyone who's passionate about video games wants to be a games designer, games developer. That exists already. That's a career already. That That's a fantastic thing for people who want to do that. But... What we found was that lots of students were sort of moving into that because they had this passion, and then finding that it's not really for them, and they don't really like coding, and it's not—it wasn't the thing they wanted to do. So there was a there was a moment for me when we were looking at curriculum development and ideas, and I was we were speaking to colleagues, and and you know I, I've sent students to the United States for for years on sporting scholarships, traditional sporting scholarships, and you know there, there were certain things that have to be achieved in order to do that one obviously is around performance but then the other element of that is the academic rigor that's involved so we're very mindful of that and we noticed that u.s colleges and universities had started to offer scholarships and and then that coincided with we had a university in the uk that launched an esports degree so there was a definite void a definite gap and as we started to explore that and and move into you know actually what what is this ecosystem and, and what is esports and what are the job roles available in, in the uk where anything that's done in in education where we're, we're governed by ofsted who are who come in and they'll they'll inspect schools and inspect colleges you have to meet their regulations and, and you know the, the funding regulations that have to be met in order for students to be on programs and in in the development of, of the curriculum we're very mindful of that framework to make sure that the intent was there that there was a clear intent about what this curriculum is and, and the the purpose that it serves not just for esports but for the the wider e- ecosystem around stem careers around business around health well-being traditional sports and then the creative subjects as well and the esports is the thing that ties all of that together we then have to think about how this is going to be implemented so how will this actually be delivered who's going to deliver it what support will they need in order to deliver that because esports education until this point wasn't a thing. So we we still haven't got yet in the UK, because of the timescale, any students who've studied esports at college, who've gone to university and studied an esports degree, who've then gone on to become an esports teacher and then are now teaching esports. We have mm-hmm. a huge need for esports teachers now because of the growth. And and then that relates to the final thing, which is impact. And that's one of the final thing that's measured is when a student studies this program, what's the impact? Where will they go? What will they do? Where will they progress? And that can be into technical careers. So it could be things like apprenticeships, it could be into jobs, and also an eye on jobs for the future, skills for the future, skills gaps, and then university careers. And at the point of writing the qualification, there weren't a huge range of university esports degrees there are now we have over mm-hmm. 40 just in the uk um, and that's growing every year we've, we've we've got people that are creating degree programs this year as we speak in the uk so that's growing um but it was very much about about looking at that journey and and the the elements of business stem esports creatives sport so that students can study esports esports can be the thing that they love that they're passionate about that they enjoy it's the vehicle but they don't necessarily have to stay in esports once they've studied this. That might be the thing that inspires them, that transforms their educational journey, that then allows them to go off and work in business or sport or STEM or media or production or events or wherever that may be. And, and a real a real focus on the skills and the transferable skills that we can develop while students are on these programs to, to try and help them on their career journeys.
1: And And looking at this too, I mean, I remember interviewing, it, it was it was Staffordshire, which was the first college in the UK to offer the scholarship or the programming, I should say. It's hard to believe that that was almost five years ago now. You know, it, it feels like yesterday, it feels like I just started this podcast. Uh, and again, don't look at the old episodes, uh, especially the first couple of ones where I look like I'm in a hostage situation doing a negotiation <laughs> with myself. But, um, you know, it, it's also too important, I think, that to realize that the, the the path that you took isn't just you going out and writing a curriculum, this was something that was blessed by the British government. It, it, the British The British Esports Federation is is set up by the the government itself. It was blessed by the by the UK government. Um, you have you have I think when it comes to expectations of this of this certificate. It isn't just that you're providing curriculum, but as I looked at it, there was different levels too in the curriculum of 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 qualifications, such as just getting a certificate where you've you've got a basic overview, you know what's going on, you, you know the basic games, but then the granularity increases. On every I think it was four different levels is what I saw in in the in the curriculum. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, we've got a we've got a level two curriculum that then acts as the the progression into the level three and at level three there are four different sizes within the level three as well
1: yeah Yeah. i mean this is the if you if you haven't looked at it and i'll make sure to link to all of this um there's actually a pdf that Callum sent me that is incredibly you look at and go oh it's just a two-page pdf and then you realize that everything is clickable and then the rabbit hole begins and you start falling in and you have to dig yourself out and go back and then you're falling into (laughs) another one uh but it i think as far as curriculum goes, the breadth of it, and I think the scope of it is very admirable uh, in all of this, and especially when you talk about the physical um, exercise components. Uh, that is something I know that we really wanted to talk about today, the role of, of physical fitness in gaming and esport. Again, you being a football coach by you know, as well, having that background, where what role should there be? of of physical activity and fitness in in all of this obviously like i said the 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 B the BTEC has its own uh course or or material things that you're expected to know so obviously it has a huge impa- impact i would say
2: yes and it 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 comes down as well to to addressing some of those misconceptions and and when when we were going through the development of the qualification we were we were very clear that at all sizes um around the mandatory units so it has a number of optional units that centers depending on their background or direction and or expertise they can opt into more of the sports units or more of the event units or more of the creative and production units etc but at, at the mandatory level on on all qualification sizes enterprise and entrepreneurship was a key feature and we want students to be developing that creativity you know inspiring innovation and and hooking into the the creative minds of people that are involved in games and then health well-being and fitness was an absolute priority for us that that was mandatory because it's it's one of the first things that when when we were speaking to potential students people that were involved in esports when when you almost go through that transition of Okay, I want to become really good now. I actually see a career in esports as a player. An awful lot of people that we speak to, they said the first thing that dropped was the time that they had or the time that they prioritized on their well-being, on their health. You know, we hear that term that we grind, we spend eight to 10 to 12 hours a day, we're we're eating. And and this is the stereotype, you know, this is the Mm -hmm. stereotype, this is what people think. They think of a dark room with the blinds closed, with cans of energy drinks and sweets and chocolates and teenagers locked in the bedrooms, isolated from the outside world it's the opposite of that. You know, high performance esports is the opposite of that. And when we, when we look at the professional treat teams and organizations performance, it is, is much more than just the technical or tactical ability that you have to play a game in esports, as it is in traditional sports. Clearly there isn't as much need as in a physical sport for, you know, cardiovascular endurance and muscular strength and these different components of fitness. But we promote esports as part of a balanced lifestyle. You can become addicted to sport, you know. Going for too many runs and, and becoming addicted to being a marathon runner can be bad for your health. Being addicted to video games and, and spending too much time on video games can be bad for your health. So it's about balance, it's about moderation, and, and we're not trying to through through this module and through this unit, we're not trying to make students into athletes, into, you know, weightlifters or into marathon runners, what we're saying is we we need you to understand sleep, we need you to understand the importance of a balanced diet, we need you to understand components of fitness and and your body and how, how you're feeling might be a result of your sedentary lifestyle that Mm -hmm. can then have a negative impact on things later in life such as the onset of cardiovascular diseases it can have an impact on performance and it's one of the things that some of the students that come onto the programs they don't necessarily connect the dots straight away we have some students that have come onto these programs that are already involved in sports, so they understand that because they, they might be a, 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 on the way to becoming a, a football player or a boxer, or they might be in the basketball team as well alongside esports. But some of the students have never been a part of a sports team, have never done physical activity in their lives, and it, it's what we what we don't want to do is shock them by saying you're gonna you're now going to do loads and loads of physical activity. It's about understanding the importance of that, and and I think the. The best way to get biting, and and one exercise that I did every single year working with working with students in esports, and that I still do now when I go out into schools and colleges, to to try and realise that ambition, if you like, for students is, um, we'll do we'll do something called um, progressive muscle relaxation, and and almost like a meditation technique. So we'll turn all the lights off, some of the RGB lights still go into because they, they like that environment. I've had students laid on the floor, on desks, on chairs, on settees, all sorts. And, and we go through that progressive muscle relaxation to really sort of calm the body down. One, so that they understand that as a psychological technique to relieve stress, anxiety, over arousal when we start to talk about performance, but also to, to try and simulate what it's like when you've had a lack of sleep or when it's late at night and you, you've been playing for too long and then I throw them straight into a game. So, for example, they might go straight into a game of Fortnite, and I'll say, right, PC's off. I'm now going to time you. You've got to turn the PC on. You've got to log in. You've got to get into a game. And when you get your first elimination in a game of Fortnite, put your hand up, and I'll write it on the board, or I'll make a note of it. And usually, this takes anything from three to four minutes for students to come out of it, get into the game. And then we start to – and also, how many how many kills do you get in the game? You know, what's what's mm-hmm. the result? So we do that and I ask them, how did you feel? And they say, oh, I'm tired. I might be bored. I might feel drowsy. You know, I'm, I I don't feel great, whatever. And then what I do is I say, right, come on, out your chairs. We're going outside and we're going to walk up some stairs or we're going to do a lap around the campus or we're going to do a, a quick two minute circuit. uh, of something whatever it may be um where where I worked at Boundary College we were on the fourth floor of the building so I literally made them walk downstairs walk outside (laughs) I said right get back to the classroom as quick as you can so we had 20 students running up the stairs I said right how do you feel I'm tired why are we doing this you know and then I said right same task go and the results were amazing like I'm talking like within a minute that the that they're on they're in a game they've got the first elimination students are getting more kills and I said right can you see the difference? and why do you think that is and then they start to understand the blood flowing around your body what adrenaline does you know what how concentration can be improved how focus can be improved and that's just a simple exercise that may not always work but that i do to try and get the students to realize it and and i think that leads me on to the the next point is i think a big area of research within esports that's that's coming and and that i'd like to see more people look at and obviously would like to contribute to as well is around the links between health well-being fitness diet hydration and performance as well as you know sort of general general life as well elongating careers for example and and um that that i think when it comes to performance is, is a, a key area of research that that we're, we're going to see moving forward as well
1: i, I and i love that the example that you just gave for those of you who may wonder how the heck do we bring um, physical activity because I think a lot of people, even myself, you know, my my first inclination would have been okay, we're going to the weight room. now again, nothing wrong with going to the weight room and again, as you said, we're not expecting you to bench 400 you know kilos or pounds or whatever. We want you to just the activity itself starts to develop the brain. It starts to activate areas of the brain that are not being. Uh, maybe currently used by you it helps with problem solving, right? As an example, but what you show too, is just how simple it can be. It doesn't have to be, if you don't have a weight room, it is, you know, the, 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 a push up, a jumping yeah. jack, a, a walking the stairs, go outside, take a lap. And it doesn't have to be a fast lap. It can be, we're moving, we're up out of our chairs. The body is, is flexing things that normally you're not flexing during the day um, what what you're showing off is is not rocket surgery. What
2: you're showing off yeah, is
1: simple, is just how it? simple it can be.
2: Yeah, and it's that it's that realization that when students, when players are at home and they're playing and they're practicing, take those breaks. You know, look away from the screen, walk away, go and stand outside, get some fresh air, take the dog for a walk, walk around the block. Walk downstairs to the fridge and get a drink if that's what you need to do. You know, whatever it might be, something that that, we, that it's it's part of this balanced balanced lifestyle. And I think that's that's so important. I think the other element to that is that's for performance, but also the the key to having that within the curriculum is these people that are coming through our education system now they are going to be the teachers and the coaches of the future so they may be really talented within within some of these games they may make it to a professional level the 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 chances for the majority is that they won't so what they'll then start to do naturally is they'll start to look at other careers just just like i did in sport you know i was never mm-hmm. good enough to make it at a professional level in sport so what can i do next i want to coach and i want to teach you know that was the next best thing where i can be involved so I think that's natural in esports that we're going to see that trend as, as students come through esports education programs, they'll want to stay in the industry and then teaching and coaching is, is the next natural step and I think if we can educate them now on these principles then when they become the coaches and the teachers of the future and they're working with players they have that understanding and and then when they're working with these performers and, and and people that are involved in esports whether that's at performance level or whether it's at grassroots level that message is is being shared and I think it's Esports is so different to traditional sports in in when we're looking at the, the components of gameplay and performances. Yes, we've got that technical and tactical aspect. But as coaches, as teachers, do we understand our students? Do we understand our players? Do we understand their emotional age? Do we understand their psychological age? Do we understand the difference between their chronological age and They're in game age, you know, how long have they been playing this game versus how old are they? Some young people that come to us, they look like 25 years or 25 year olds in person, but actually, we've got no idea about their past or their background. Socially, emotionally, they may be 10, 15 years behind how they look. So I think as that that whole piece around health, well being, fitness, mental health, nutrition, psychology, so important that for anybody who's who's going to work within this industry and, and is going through this academic background that they have that level of understanding to be able to fully support and, and address the need I think
1: and I we, we th- there th- I we could probably do a whole series of ep- episodes on all the aspects and the parts of of the BTEC and the qualifications But I really what I'm going to make sure to do again is uh, the link, the PDF, because it doesn't just go into the educational side. You have a whole section for parents. You have a section for uh, well-being. You have a section for women, uh, specifically about women in esports. All of this is is such is such high quality. And Callum, you've done such a, a wonderful job in the short time that we do have to, to, to share all of this. And I know you've got your own podcast where you go into a bit more, a long form. Uh, again, the I think it's the, it's the Pearson esports podcast. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Thank you. Yes. On Spotify. Please go and check it out. Uh, it's nowhere near as polished as James's, but uh, I'm in that learning process. So yeah, please go and check it out. Any advice? Welcome. And
1: uh, any other, anything else you wish to promote or share with us uh, before we get out of here today?
2: um I, I just you mentioned women in esports there again you know just a massive shout out i think to to the the rest of the the team at british esports as an organization and i've recently moved in full time as of 2022 into this role and the amount of things that the team get through is, is truly astonishing and, and truly amazing. So just a big shout out to the rest of the team at British Esports. The work they do is amazing. For anybody out there who's hearing about us for the first time or is hearing about these things for the first time, please check us out on social media channels, get onto the website, have a look at the resource that, that I've shared with, with James and, and again I would say please get in touch. In terms of women in esports, again, you know, the the, the team there, they've 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 done some amazing work around really creating, not just for women, you know, that's the title, but this is all about inclusion, diversity, equality, accessibility, a really welcoming community in esports for women, for marginalised genders to provide an inclusive space and and so much so that they've they've just um, recently won most inclusive esports initiative um, at the Women in Games Global Awards as well. So huge shout out to the team involved in that as well. Amazing work.
1: And, and another thing, too, for those of us like, obviously, uh, you know, Callum being with the British um, Esports Federation, uh, do not be afraid, Americans. This is it translates. Everything translates. So yeah. uh, <laughs> we we may over here, we may spell things a little bit differently, but uh, yeah we call football other things. But what yeah. I will say again, seriously, educators, especially parents, everything in here that I've looked at translates across the world. This is a global conversation. It's just that the British Esports Federation is doing an excellent job of leading it. They've put it together in such wonderful ways with Pearson. Callum Neal of the British Esports Federation, thank you for being a guest today on the Academy of Esports podcast.
2: It's an absolute pleasure, and and I couldn't agree more with with your final statement there. Everything that we're talking about transfers, transfers, that's something that we want to support with. You know, We want to be involved in those conversations. So if there are people that are developing these sorts of things, please get in touch with us. We're there to help. We're there to support. We're there to, to, to translate. And I think just, just the last thing that I'd like to, to leave us on, and, mm. and James, I'm stealing this from you, is we cannot forget the importance of play. I, I've seen that quoted, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. I would encourage everyone to play in balance, in moderation, as part of a healthy lifestyle. And I think it, James, if you and I got stuck in a lift tomorrow, we'd create a game. We'd be playing something. <laughs> and I think that's that's just in our nature as as human beings. So I think you know, anyone who's out there thinking about esports and thinking about esports education, I think that that is the basis of it all, is that we have a real opportunity to make education fun, to to bring play into education. When I go into primary schools and nurseries and kindergartens, you see the fun, you see the enjoyment. And somewhere along the way, whether it's at high school or at college, that enthusiasm gets lost and it becomes so serious. So I think through eSports education, we, we genuinely have an opportunity to, as educators, bring a pedagogical approach into the classroom where we can create environments, create programs students love that they wanted to be a part of and that they enjoy. And and I think that's, that's just such an important message.
1: And with that, I will, I will let Callum Neal have the last word. Callum, thank you again. That will do it for this week on the Academy of
0: Esports. I've been your host, James O'Hagan. Esports are organized competitive video games, allowing schools to redefine their athletic culture, diversify opportunities for student participation, promote good physical and mental health, increase collegiate scholarship pathways, and play games. We can never forget the importance of play. The mission of the Academy of Esports is to support these ideals. The vision of the Academy of Esports is for all students to experience the fun and joy of playing competitive video games. You may follow me on Twitter, at Jim O'Hagan. That's at J-I-M-O-H-A-G-A-N and through the Academy of Esports account at T-A-O Esports. It's a great way to get the latest blog posts, podcast episodes, and news coming out of esports and education. And remember, you can continue your engagement by going to www.taoesports.com. You can also connect through Facebook at www.facebook.com slash t-a-o esports thanks again for listening and i look forward to our time again next week